Amen. Wow. Well, I know you've enjoyed the, the music today and the young people as well as they helped us out. And now we come, as we conclude this uh, sermon, or concludes the, the, uh, the service today, I just want to share with you what I shared with the kids just a few moments ago, and that is there's a mystery of Christmas. We want to solve that mystery uh, in our hearts. Now, as Tim, just a few moments ago, said that at an early age, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ, and that made the difference in his life. And at the close of this uh, message, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do the same, that you would receive Jesus Christ into your heart that would be a special Christmas for you and a special life as well. Now, why, why should you do that? You ask yourself the question, okay, Pastor, you said, you're going to give me the opportunity. I've had the opportunities before. Why should I do that? Well, maybe it's because Christmas reminds us, and maybe reminds you, of some of the things you're missing in life. You know, there are all kinds of promises in the Bible, and many of them are promises at Christmas. We've been talking about the Advent wreath and preaching on the different things, teaching on the different things all during the month of December of peace and hope and love and joy, those kind of things. And those are the promises of Christmas, but you don't see them necessarily coming to fruition in your life. And maybe you're like the, the old song, 20, 24 years old now, the song from U2, Bono, I'm st I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Did you know, I, I didn't know this until recently, but that song is really a gospel song. He's, he's really searching for the answers to life that he hasn't found. He even mentions the cross in the song. And so maybe you have, you've gone to church, maybe you haven't gone to church. Maybe you're just not a church goer. But deep in your heart, there's a mystery there. Oh, in the past, there's been a mystery of, hey, why did Jesus come? I mean, after all, he's here. Is he not going to set up an earthly kingdom? They didn't understand it. We understand it now, but do we really understand it? And so as we look at this passage today, as we sum up not only the series that we've been through, but also sum up the mystery of Christmas, I want to look at the benefits, the blessings of salvation in Romans chapter 5. Now, Paul, the apostle, has written a book to the church at Rome. Now, when he did this, he was in prison. Now, keep that in mind for just a moment. There's no reason why he should have felt fulfilled. There's no reason why he should have felt great happiness and joy being in prison for preaching the gospel. But yet now he's writing the church at Rome, talking to them about the blessings that he has experienced and is experiencing in the Lord. Well, let's look at it. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, as we come out of this, uh, into this chapter where Paul's explaining the gospel, and he's talking about how everyone needs the Lord, and now here are the benefits. I read in verse 1 real quickly. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get into justification. It just simply means because you're saved, all right? Because you have received the free gift of salvation. You have peace with God. Now, why do you need peace with God? Well, in verse 10, if I can just skip ahead, it says, it says, for if, if while we were enemies, enemies of God, wow, enemies of God, there's a conflict between us, how we're living, where we're headed, and what God wants for our life. Now, do you have peace with God? Do you experience peace in your life? You know, I can remember back when I was 16 years old and I received Christ into my life, I can remember thinking to myself, the one thing I need that I don't have is peace. I need peace in my heart. 
And so the turmoil that goes on in the inside, even though maybe things are going pretty well on the outside. I, about three years later, three, four years later, I was working a summer job at Westinghouse in Athens. And in this job, a lot of people rotated around and you came across the same people over and over and over again all summer long and I could share Christ with them. Most of them were very open. And this one guy would always pepper me with questions in a good way. I mean, he wasn't trying to stump me. He was just really wanting to know. And near the end of the summer, he said to me, he said, you know, I've got everything that I want. And you can think, well, you know, he's just kind of a common laborer or or day laborer. You know, you might say it at Westinghouse, you know, so he wasn't a boss or a foreman or he didn't have a great business, but he had business on the side and it was kind of illegal. All right. And Everybody kind of knew that. I didn't know the details of it, but he looked at me and he said, I don't have peace. He said, I have everything that I want, but I don't have peace. I noticed that you have peace. Do you have peace today? Have you overcome the guilt in your life? Have you overcome those regrets that we often have in life? If we just had some do-overs, you know, some mulligans, some things that we could relive, go back in time, change things. There's no peace there in your heart. And God is reaching out to you and saying the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And he says, look, I want to show you how good and wonderful I am so you can have peace in your life through salvation. So if you don't have that kind of peace in your life, in just a few moments, we can get that peace in your heart by you receiving Christ. But secondly, I want you to notice that we've also looked at the whole concept of hope during this series. He mentions this as well in verse five, and hope does not put us to shame. The hope of God. Now, we've said before, and if you're here with us for the first time, I just want to repeat it. Hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible is something you're looking forward to. You know it's going to happen, and you're looking forward to it. The hope of heaven. It talks about the hope of the second coming, the hope of things getting better in our life. Now, it's been said people can live 40 days without food, three days without water, only one second without hope. And while that's an exaggeration, I'm sure, I think that all of us can say there's been maybe hopeless times in our life where you've just felt alone and hopeless and there's nothing out there to look forward to. And we make up maybe our own hope. Oh, things are going to get better tomorrow. I'm going to do this or change this or change that. But deep down in our heart, we long for the hope that God promises. In fact, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for you today. I remember preaching a, um, a series of messages years ago in a little town in South Georgia. And uh, the pastor and I were kind of walking through some of the stores and just kind of looking around. And I noticed someone working there I don't know if he's the owner or not, but I shared with him what I was doing in town. And I said, you know, the, the church over here is going to have a meeting tonight. Would you like to come? We, we want to invite you. And he says, well, I'm not really interested. And he thought, well, pastor, what's the point of sharing that story? You know, that was kind of a, a downer. But there was a customer there that I hadn't even seen. He, he came around, he looked up and he said, well, I'm interested. Where's this, where's this meeting at? Where, where's this church service? So we started talking to him for about the next hour. And come to find out that, that that previous day, he'd been driving all night, the previous day where he lived was hours and hours away. His wife had left him. He got in the car and started riding and didn't even know where he was. Hopeless life. 
Many psychologists would tell you that that is a sign of someone really in danger of even suicide. He started coming. That was on a Monday. He started coming Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. On Thursday night, he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And it changed his life. His, his wife, he and his wife, he moved back home. His wife and, and he got back together. She received Christ as well. In fact, I saw him about four or five years later at a convention. He was representing his church there. He got hope in his life. Hopeless to hope. Do you have that kind of hope in your life? But the third blessing, and I know I'm picking and choosing my blessings. There's actually about seven here listed in this passage, but I just want to look at one more. And that is in verse five, it says, the love of God, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. How do we receive God's love? We receive God's love by the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of our heart, changing our heart the moment that you and I give our heart to Jesus Christ, the love of God. Now, this is the greatest mystery of all. All of us want to be loved. Isn't there some kind of longing that maybe God has put in our heart, I think he has, to be loved, to love others, but to be loved, to be accepted. And God said, I love the world so much that I gave my only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So God has loved you that much to send his only son. That, that is strange. That's a mystery. Now, I remember when I was growing up, thinking to myself, when somebody said, well, God loves you. But of course he does. My parents love me. You know, I think my brother and sister love me, you know, sometimes. And, uh, you know, what's not to love? We think that way sometimes. Of course, I believe in a God of love. I believe in God that wants a relationship with me. Do you know that that is foreign to every other religion in world history that I, that I have ever found, at least? The idea of a holy, righteous God who is all-powerful, who created the universe and any religion that would want a relationship with man is a foreign thing. Listen to even the psalmist. He's amazed by it when he says, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. God has loved you. Do you remember the time? Let me ask you a question. In fact, this is the question for the whole, whole message tonight, okay? Do you remember the time that you realized that God really loves you? Do you remember that time? Do you remember what took place during that time? I recall in the Bible a story of Peter. And Peter had gone out fishing all night, and he'd come in and had caught nothing. And he and his crew were just sort of tying the boat up, and Jesus came walking along, and he said, have you caught anything tonight? Had a good night. No, we haven't caught a thing. Right there on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he said, throw your net over on the side. Well, they're, they're at the dock. And even though it's deep at that point, probably not a lot of fish. And Peter had thinking, hey, I'm the fisherman here. And believe me, there's no fish here. He throws the net over. He said, at your bidding, Lord, throws the net over. And so, much, so many fish came into that net that it began to break. And the Bible says he turned to Jesus to rejoice and said, well, did you see that? But he dropped to his knees instead. And he said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. At that point, he realized who God was, but he also realized 
who he was as well. I used to think before I came to the realization how much God loves me, I used to think I was kind of deserving. I mean, the whole idea of, of salvation, at 12 years old I found this out, salvation is free. I didn't have to earn it. I thought I was doing a pretty good job of earning it. But I didn't have to and I couldn't. And when, I re- when you recognize the love of God as Peter did, you realize who he is and who you are as well. well why, why aren't we experiencing these things? I mean, it's fine to present them, but why aren't we getting it? Why aren't we experiencing these things? Because of what the Bible says our condition. We can't find it because, and we're still looking for it, because the Bible says we're sinners and we're separated from God. And I know that's, that's an offensive thing to say, just to blurt it out. But there's one thing I know about you, and even though I don't know some of you, I'd like to get to know you, but I don't know you. And there's something you know about me, even though you've, you've never been to my home, maybe. We have something in common. We are not perfect. We're just not. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And when we sin one time and we fall below the perfection of God, something has to happen to pay for that crime, to pay for what we have done. You say, well, I think I'm still pretty good. Well, I thought so too. I thought I obeyed all the Ten Commandments. You know, I got the big ten down. Well, did I really? Do you? Well, let me ask you this. The first commandment is that you should put no other gods before me. Heard the testimony from Tim just a few moments ago. That's exactly what he was doing. I struggle with that every day. Who is on the throne of our life? Who's calling the shots? Who's directing our life? Well, it's not always God. Well, that's the first commandment. What about the second one, making idols? Well, you say, well, I haven't done that. I haven't made a graven image, but we make an idol out of other things, money, people, other things in our life. We not only put something else on the throne, we put something on the, on the throne almost permanently. It guides our life. It, it guides the choices that we make. What about cussing? You know, as um, North Georgia people would say, you know, where I'm from, cussing. Well, I don't cuss. Well, some of you don't. Some of you don't. Others play golf. And so, you know, I'm just saying, just saying. But don't bear false witness. Have you ever broken that one? You say, no, I am not a liar. Okay, you just told a big one right there. But are you married? Oh, you don't know that. that uh, does this dress make me look bigger or no? How, how's my hair? You know, do you think I'm just as strong as I was 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, honey, you're just great, great. You call those white lies. But we all done, we've all done that. What about coveting or lusting? You ever lusted after anyone? Have you ever coveted something that somebody else wanted? Have you done that one? I think we've broken them all. And if we'd have broken just one, it was enough to go um, below the line of perfection. And there's nothing I can do, nothing, no work, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, no work that I can do to make up for that. So that is why Jesus came. He came to save his people from their sin, Matthew 121. He came to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says we were enemies of God and he came And he died on the cross for our sins. And his blood that was was shed or poured out on that cross was a payment for your sins and mine because crime has to be paid for. That's the kind 
of world that God made. And you say, well, that's not fair. Well, it is fair. If we didn't have civil laws and we didn't have repercussions for breaking those laws, we would be in chaos in our world. If you do the crime, you do the time, so to speak. So somebody's got to do the, the time. Look what it says here in verse 9. In verse 8 it says, But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loved us. And he says we, we even get, it gets deeper here when it says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. Why are we going to be saved from the wrath of God? Why would we have that peace? Because Jesus took our wrath for us. Verse 10, we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. We needed to be joined together with God again. That's our original purpose was to have fellowship, a relationship with God. And that's not possible unless our sin is paid for and we are holy in his sight in his sight, the way he is holy. When is the first time? When is the first time you really realized that God really loves you? I can remember that time. I was sitting in my living room. I, I was um, 12, 13 years old, maybe four, well, 13 or 14 years old, sitting in our living room in Bogart, Georgia. And in this particular house, it was a very small den. My dad was sitting back here on this couch. I was sitting in the chair watching a TV that was very close to me, at least, because of the smallness of the room. And we were watching a movie called King of Kings. It's a movie about Jesus. And I remember watching that movie, and we watched it in silence. Neither one of us were talking. My dad was not a Christian at the time. He, he received Christ a couple of years later. But he was not a Christian at the time, and I wasn't a believer at the time. I was still struggling with this whole free stuff, Free salvation, nothing to work for, nothing to do. I thought I was a little more righteous than that. I looked at that television and saw Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me. And I was struck to the point of deep emotion in my heart of how much Jesus Christ and God, the Father, loved me. And as he died there on the cross, it all came it all came together for me that not only was God all powerful and all loving and he loved me enough to die for me, it cost him something, but it happened for a reason because I needed to be rescued. I saw myself as Peter did that day. I saw myself as God saw me as a sinner separated from him needing a savior. Is that the cry of your heart today? Can you remember the first time you realize Jesus loved you, God loved you. If not, maybe that's today. Maybe that's it. Maybe you look in the face of Jesus on the cross today and you saw the mystery of Christmas in your own heart by receiving Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the children of God. Would you pray with me now? And as we get quiet before the Lord, whether you're watching at home or watching here, or here in our auditorium today. I want to invite you right now with me to pray a prayer somewhat like I prayed even when I was 16 years old. And in this prayer that I prayed, I simply asked God to forgive me and come into my life. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can do it silently if you'd like as I pray aloud.
You can just repeat this. Lord God, thank you for loving me as I imagine the cross and you dying for me. I realize my need as a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. As I look at the face of Jesus, scarred, bloody, I realize his love for me, his sacrifice for me, it's all of grace, and I receive that grace, that sacrifice, as I invite you into my life. I put you on the throne of my life. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you kind of look this way? Um, I'm going to ask you to do something uh, this afternoon. That is, just take this Get Connected card. And I know you don't want a lot of people calling you. We're not going to put you on any kind of phone list or or anything like that. You know, we just want to connect with you. And so if you're here with us for the first time, we, or you haven't filled out a card yet, we want you to know we're honored that you're here. We love you being here. So if you'd fill out the card, that, that would be enough. But if you also here today, whether you're first time or hundredth time, and you made a decision to follow Jesus, there's a place on the back of the card in the upper left-hand corner, shaded, where it says, I have decided to surrender my life to Christ and begin a personal relationship with him. If that is what you did because you prayed that prayer with me, put a little check in that box. Make sure I get it. I can, you can either hand it to me after the service or there's one of these offering boxes at each one of these um, exits as you go today. You can just simply drop your card, whether because it's a visitation because it's, or rather because of you're a guest or maybe because you have a prayer request, but especially if you receive Jesus. And we'll share with you how you can take the next steps to grow as a believer in Christ. Certainly, we have looked at the mystery of God. But that mystery does not have to be a mystery forever. It can be a, an answer in your heart. Let's sing about it. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.